In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby! What's up, everyone? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. It's been a minute. I went through a uh, tough ring of computer meltdowns. My battery melted down over the course of the last month to the point that it would not operate. So if you have a MacBook and your battery starts to die, you understand where I'm coming from with this with this struggle. Took it to the uh, Apple Store, didn't get to the re- repair center till a week later, and just got it back. So excited to finally get back to writing and uh, and and talking about the Browns podcast form, all that stuff. Wasn't able to really upload anything of quality. Uh, without it, so um, you know, wanted to to chat first about the Texans win, which I, I enjoyed um, on a number of levels because you know, obviously the Browns uh, have a superior roster, superior football team, um, but but I needed to see them win, and I need to see this in the future, see them win more of these ugly games at uh, at their you know at the the rough environment. At, First Energy Stadium when Cleveland's weather kicks in, and I was I was um, I was pretty impressed with how they were able to handle the situation, and and really, uh, you know, the defense, in my opinion, Ronnie Harrison, who's proving to be a long-term piece. Obviously, Miles played well. It was nice to see Larry Ogunjobi play well uh, up the middle uh, because he's he's been hit or miss this year. In most cases, it's felt pretty miss in terms of his ability to sustain performance over the course of a game. So it was good to see Larry perform pretty well. And, you know, it's nice to see the Browns' defense come up with situational stops, situational plays, maybe not create many turnovers, but get those timely third-down stops because we know that that situation has plagued them over the last two two games where they just could not get off the field on third or fourth downs. And I thought they did a really great job of getting off the field. So, you know, the score's 10-7. Always felt like the Browns were pretty much in control and was really impressed with, obviously, some things Baker Mayfield did at third and 18 on the touchdown drive at the beginning of the late third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. That throw to Hooper, sorry, that throw to uh, Richard Higgins on the right sideline was just fantastic. Kept alive uh, a drive that should have been dead in the water on third and 18, where the Browns just they've and I've I've talked about this on Twitter, but they're they're continuing to do too many predictable run um, running plays on early downs, and it's and it's costing them some opportunities to fool defenses. So I hope as the weather balances out, they can find some sort of semblance of balance there because you know the data from the last two games isn't all that far off on their early down passing from the data that we've seen throughout the year. So it's not it's not like it's skewed from two weeks. We've, we, we've, we've seen, in my opinion, far too much predictability. So hopefully we can see that rectify itself over the course of the next... I think these next two weeks are interesting in terms of the Browns getting... You know, opportunities to play from out in front and, and against two teams that they should beat, and we'll talk about the Eagles first. But, yeah, like I said, game 10-7, we 
was really impressed defensively, only giving up 243 yards. A couple big run chunk plays, but nothing all too crazy. Sean Watson hurt them on a little bit of read option stuff, taking advantage of of uh, some numbers advantages that pushed them to 90 rushing yards, but only 153 passing yards. What I did love is the fourth quarter run game from the Browns, especially pulling guards, whether pin pull, power, whatever. Uh, I wrote about this at the OBR. If you get a chance to go over and read it, how they adjusted. Went away from mini zone schemes, started to add more tight ends, more pre-snap motion to balance out numbers, especially with that third tight end. They would move Harrison Bryant to balance out numbers and get the front the way they wanted the front set. And uh, I thought that was important. And they ended up running for 231 yards. And the tandem looks really healthy. And, um, you know, Nick Chubb is a difference maker. It has to be said. Like, he's he's a difference maker. He's in the 1% of running backs in the league. And look, Kareem Hunt's good. It's fine. Um, you, most teams in the league would be happy with him. But the Browns have somebody else who's better. And when you get those two working in tandem and you look at what Nick is able to create, his cutback lane touchdown, his ability to make Justin Reed miss in a phone booth on that 59-yard run before he steps out the one-yard line. That play's dead in the water. Like a reminder, if you go back and watch it, they the Texans play that pin pull almost perfectly. They have a safety scraping downhill untouched to get him at the line of scrimmage on third and three, and Nick Chubb just a little dead leg with his right leg kind of selling he's going inside, and all of a sudden he's breaking outside, and it's just to me it's – it's like those are the plays that you can so easily forget that he's able to make when you when he's out for multiple weeks like we saw. But that 59-yard run is all him. I mean, for the most part, there's no heroic play up front. There's no fantastic achievement in blocking. It's him making one man miss, being able to gather his momentum somehow and stay in bounds. And really, just a fan, I mean, I just can't speak more highly of that play uh, from, from, from Nick Chubb and, and what he's able to create at times. And, uh, you know, stepping out the one-yard line, very, very smart play. Listen to his coaching staff who told him to uh, step out so they can knee it down. And I know it might hurt your fantasy team, might hurt you covering the spread or whatever, but uh, they don't want to risk injury. They don't want to send their defense back out with a minute left to play and Deshaun Watson. And you never know what could happen at that point. You'd rather not risk it. Two snaps, you're out of there. I like it. So a good win. In an ugly situation, a good win. Uh, they need to throw the ball a little bit better. I think they'll have opportunities to prove they can do so. I'm excited to watch it. So, uh, yeah, I just I just wanted to, to riff about that game because I didn't get my chance to do my usual recap on Sunday after that. So, uh, hopefully I didn't waste too much of your time on things you already knew, but, but good stuff overall and uh, enjoyed it. So, let's shift our focus to the Eagles this week. But before we do so, I'm going to talk about our presenting sponsor. The first is Indeed, and we've talked about them. I need to make sure you understand the great opportunity that they have out there. 2020 is already reshaped how we work. It's already almost over. Thank goodness. But this is going to carry into 2021. Some businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every single hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. They're the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find the quality candidates and those candidates that you need in a quick fashion so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need composite anytime and there are no long-term contracts and now indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollars credit to post and boost that job you need to get out and get filled fast you'll get to see more quality candidates it's a great offer 
Again, a $75 credit in the deed.com slash blue wire. Deed.com slash blue wire. Go there right now. Take advantage. Offer valid through December 31st. So time is getting close here. Terms and conditions do apply. We're also proudly sponsored by betonline.ag. You know, football's in full swing. Starting to see some things that might shape up towards the playoffs, but there's still a chance to get in on some futures that are out there. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get every possible chance to win this season. Talked about futures. They have totals, team, player, coaching props. Parlay it all together. Do a tease. Whatever you guys want to do to make some cash. I usually throw some money down on weekly player numbers every week to uh, to try to tag some parlays together. Um, usually a little receiving yards, passing yards, opening touchdowns, and fun stuff like that. So head to betonline.ag and take advantage of their great sign-up bonuses that they have currently offered. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, and that's BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. So now we shift our attention over to the Philadelphia Eagles, who come in a three, yes, a three-win football team. They have three wins, five losses, that one tied to the Bengals. They are coming in off of a loss, 27-17 in New York. Tough one and a weird, wonky division that is the NFC East, uh, where three wins leads the division, as Philadelphia currently does right now. Before the bye, though, they had won two games in the division, beat the Giants and the Cowboys, and um, those two wins came off two losses to other AFC North foes, Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore, where they gave both of those teams pretty good games, uh, losing to Pittsburgh uh, 38-29 and then 30-29. to uh, hosting Baltimore. So they come to Cleveland 3-5-1, and one, a little bit wounded in terms of their mental psyche coming out of the break. I think they expected to beat the Giants and uh, did not. I would say I almost went through the motions when watching the tape. It's uh, it's it's certainly a situation where they think that their, 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 their presence of years past is going to carry them against teams in the NFC East who are not all too uh, complete of football teams and franchises right now. And it bit them last week. And now they're in a must-win game because after Cleveland, they go with this schedule. They host Seattle, go to Green Bay, host New Orleans, go to Arizona. Those are four extremely challenging games based on location and based on team talent. So they know they have to win this Cleveland game. So total backs against the wall situation for the Philadelphia Eagles right now, especially if they want to have a chance that when they close their season at Dallas and host Washington – that they have a chance to win that division, even if it's extremely ugly uh, at that point. They, they still need to win some of these games, so they know going into this Cleveland game they have to win. Uh, Carson Wentz still anchors their quarterback position. He's 199 of 342, only a 58.2% completion percentage, only 12 touchdowns with 12 interceptions alongside. Uh, by far his worst year as a professional quarterback. He's trending in the wrong direction. A lot of Philadelphia people not very happy with the production of Carson Wentz where this season is going for him and what it looks like in the future. Uh, certainly a guy who's taken a lot of hits. They lead the league in quarterback hits allowed. And, um, you know, he's he's still talented. He, he can still make plays, but too many crucial turnovers for Carson, fumbles included, hurting his team. 35 sacks he's taken this year already. Uh, so so it's, it's, it's a passing game that has been beat up at times. You know, they expected... Jalen Rager to be there all season. They expected uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard to be there all season. Deshaun Jackson. They are getting healthier. It seems like Zach Ertz might play this week, and Dallas Goddard came back last week. They've had Travis Fulgham unexpectedly take off. He leads them in receiving yards, 443 yards, 30 catches. Uh, they did just recently get back... Um, 
they just recently got back Alshon Jeffrey, which is which is nice for their situation. Who I'm not sure Jeffrey has even produced anything this year, but but getting him back is obviously a talent boost for their for their wide receiver group. Greg Ward is second, uh, a former Houston quarterback, 37 catches, 282 yards. Uh, Richard Rodgers, who'd play a majority of tight end snaps, 19 catches, 244 yards, but he'll he'll be on the back burner a little bit there. But but Rager's back, the rookie out of TCU. He's got 12 for 159 and a touchdown. Um, the run game, Miles Sanders is finally healthy after he missed a couple games. He's at 519 for the year on 86 carries. So he's rushing fairly well at a six yards per attempt mark, three touchdowns. So he can be dangerous. And uh, they also still have Boston Scott to back him up. So skill position-wise, they're getting healthier. They put some guys, J.J. Arthiga-Whiteside on uh, and Deontay Burnett, they put some guys on, on IR, but nothing nothing crazy there. Uh, so, I mean, they, they did get back Lane Johnson, their left tackle, or sorry, right tackle. It appears like Jason Peters is able to play left tackle for them still. They're hurt inside. The interior is not as healthy as it has been, nor as good. And uh, like we said, they've had issues protecting Carson Wentz all year, but they're getting healthier. It's a team trending health-wise in the right direction. Now, they lost last week, but again, backs against the wall, healthy, a team used to playing in crummy weather. It's an interesting challenge for the Browns, especially uh, considering I think some of their defensive metrics are, are, are misleading in a little bit of a sense, especially with how Cleveland plays. So they, they defend the pass pretty well. They've only given up, um, they've only given up 1,800 or sorry, 1,906 yards, which is sixth best in the league. Passing, they've only given up 13 touchdowns, also sixth best. They haven't created many interceptions. They've only created uh, three three interceptions, but they're producing in other ways, creating fumbles, opportunities there. And then yards per attempt, they're fourth in the league. So they defend the pass pretty well. And while their, their, their defensive numbers aren't great run game-wise, they've given up 1,197 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns. They have not really given up an individual rusher blowing them up. What's hurt them is mobile quarterbacks in misdirection reverse type schemes. Like Lamar Jackson hurt them, running for over 100. Both times against the Giants, Daniel Jones had big running plays against them, pushing their yardage higher than it probably should have been. And like a, a Ray Ray McLeod, when, when Pittsburgh played them, had over 60 yards and just reverses alone. So they are they're like i said they're being hurt by mobile quarterbacks and it's it's misleading the stats a little bit some teams like washington ran for i think malcolm brown had 80 yards and they had another another running back there with 40 so they you know they they they're not infallible in the run game but they're not giving up you know they're not giving up a ton of yards in the run game like they're they're especially to one player so if you're expecting nick chubb to or or nick chubb and kareem hunt to go over 100 that that's a that comes a little bit prophetical so uh, it's it's an interesting situation going on there. It, they have the you know still Brandon Graham, still have Fletcher Cox. They still have a lot of talent in that defense uh, that, that has traditionally been some of their better players. There are certainly players in the secondary to take advantage of: Avante Maddox, among many others, Ronnie McLeod, and 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 some others. Darius Slay, very nice corner, obviously has been good for them in that trade. But there are some holes to take take advantage of there. But yeah, the the, the group of guys up front. That play pretty well for them. Javon Hargraves among, uh, among that mix is uh, is going to be a problem for Cleveland. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, and and it's going to be a very very interesting matchup, especially with the talent I think Philly has, uh, and whether they can put it together for a full game. Because like I said, the health is returning, but can they put it together for a full game? That's what's going to be most interesting. And we have somebody on to talk about that. So we're going to get over to our interview with Mike Kay. Uh, he's the Philadelphia Eagles beat reporter for NewJersey.com. He co-hosts the uh, No Huddle Show 
uh, talking about the Eagles uh, pretty pretty intelligently, and I, I think this is a great interview to listen to Mike talk about. Uh, and he's driving in, so I had to call him on his cell phone, driving into practice, so very up to date on what the Eagles are doing, where the uh, where the narratives are, where things are with Carson Wentz, all that stuff. So let's get over to our interview with Mike, and then uh, we'll, we'll see where the Eagles sit heading into uh, heading into this trip to Cleveland. Mike, I'm, I'm excited to have you on, man. It's a, it's a really interesting week uh, for both teams. Obviously, the Eagles are certainly in a, a must-win situation following a tough road loss in New York, uh, one they probably expected to win, especially feeling good going into the bye week there. I'm curious, as they come into Cleveland 3-5-1 uh, and one now, sort of what is the state of the Eagles ahead of Week 11 here? Well, they don't sound like a team that's leading their division, right? Uh, this has been a situation where the Eagles haven't put together a full game the entire season. Sometimes the defense will bail them out, uh, bail the offense out, as they did during the two-game winning streak before the bye. Other times the offense will have late-game surges and the defense will be unable to close. This is a Jekyll and Hyde team, but they're Jekyll and Hyde in a way that one hand uh, is the monster, the other hand becomes the, the scientist, so to speak. Like, this is this is a situation where the Eagles don't really have much of an identity and they're, they're basically soul searching right now. Um, and that's not a good thing when you're nine games into a season and you really have to win out or not win out, but you have to win a good majority of your games when the schedule is at its toughest. Well, what compels me about the situation is just the, the injuries that have added up over time. Like, has it been just a feeling of sort of defeat after defeat after defeat through the year when, when all of these injuries that started in you know, in, in training camp have parlayed into this tough start? So, I mean, how's the morale of the franchise dealing with what feels like three straight years? I could be wrong here. I, I watch from afar, but three straight years of kind of injuries that have plagued this team and ended up costing them the level that they, that they ultimately want to get back to at the Super Bowl. It feels like the talent's been there. Correct me if I'm wrong here. The talent has been there over the course of the last few years. It's just the injuries have just added up over time. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, you know, this team, like you said, has been plagued with, you know, monumental injuries, even dating back to their Super Bowl year. They've just found ways to overcome it. Uh, it's part of the reason why Doug Peterson has such a positive rep in Philadelphia. Um, you know, when you look at how the Eagles have played – uh, you know, when their backs are against the wall, they typically play at their best. And I think for for Doug Peterson, that's a feather in the cap, but it's also a hindrance to his team, obviously, because the Eagles, frankly, are just not, you know, able to sustain any sort of success because they don't have the the horses to really go. And, you know, to be honest with you, they – are finally healthy again or getting there and they still haven't played very well. It hasn't been a situation where you'd say, wow, the Eagles are regrouping and now they're back in the game uh, because the, 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 the Giants game, they lost with an almost fully healthy roster. Like it was a really bad sign for them. And so you're kind of thinking, well, maybe it's not the injuries. Maybe it's the coaching. Maybe the talent isn't as, as talented as we thought well that takes me to like you know if, if the injuries add up you need a quarterback that can overcome some of those issues and listen Carson's 
always going to be tied to Cleveland. I've talked about it. We'll, we'll continue to talk about it with Cleveland trading out of that pick and allowing them to take Carson. And they saw him his rookie year. This is the first time they've seen him since his rookie year. So there's always an intrigue from Cleveland about Carson Wentz. And as, as great as it seemed his career started and ascended to his second year, the injuries, as we we're talking about just a second ago, have added up for Carson through concussions and, and, and obviously the ACL and so on and so forth. And, it's really parlayed itself into a weird situation. Correct me if I'm wrong there between the, the franchise, the fan base, all of it. They paid the guy. They paid Carson Wentz because he was trending in the right direction. And it seems like things are a little off the rails this year. 12 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, making some pretty poor decisions in some key moments. Uh, you know, Obviously, the turnover numbers are alarming if you include the fumbles in there too. What What is the vibe around Carson Wentz? Is he fixable at this rate? Uh, or, or do they need to see some sort of major change to feel great about him moving forward? Well, I, I think that's it, right? I mean, I think that, um, you know, that's the question on everybody's mind. He's a guy who's really struggling with his, his identity as a quarterback. You know, he's a guy who has a gunslinger mentality like Brett Favre. He's a guy who likes to let it rip. The problem is, the team wants him to be a little bit more of a game manager. And so he's struggling between these two roles and you're seeing it in his risk reward assessment in the moment. It's like, he's overthinking when he is a tepid game manager, he's getting sacked and holding onto the ball and that's leading to turnovers. And then when you, when you have him play gunslinger, he's making careless throws and throwing interceptions. So there's a reason why he's leading the league in turnovers with 16. He just he's got his foot in between a door frame, and in one door frame he's a gunslinger, or one side of the door he's a gunslinger, the other side he's a, uh, you know, a game manager. And I think he's struggling to find that happy medium, and that's basically what you're seeing in his struggles right now. Well, what like. With Carson and the situation offensively, they've had injuries. Deshaun's been hurt. They've obviously lost guys up front. Miles has been in and out of the backfield. Seems like he's healthy. Lane Johnson's healthy moving forward. They got Alshon Jeffrey back. What is the identity of the offense? And if they're playing well, and I know Dallas Goddard's back too, so they, they've got some weapons that have sort of come back here. Only put up 17 points last week, but... You know, if they get this thing going, what is it? What does it look like? Is it is it centered on Carson being aggressive with with some of those weapons? As obviously Travis Fulgham has come on in, in his own right as, a, as as an outside threat. So, is it is it Carson carrying this offense, or do you think they ultimately want him to be that game manager who they can rely on Miles, they can rely on uh, some of the wide receivers and, and tight ends, especially if Ertz makes his way back? I'm not sure if he's out for the year or not, but nonetheless, Dallas got it to town to play in and of his own right. So, like, is it is it game manager, or do they want him pushing the forefront and they want to be a team that throws to ultimately close with the run? Well, given the way that his mechanics have kind of regressed, given how his confidence has seemingly regressed, Seeing is how the offensive line can't avoid injuries. I think right now the best thing to do is run the offense through Miles Sanders, and I think they're starting to feel that too. You know, Miles Sanders is 14th in the league with 519 rushing yards, and he's missed three games. So that's 519 yards in six games. Uh, he's also made two of the biggest plays of the season. He had two runs of 74 yards and back-to-back games then got injured injured his knee he looked really good against the Giants in that loss he's averaging six yards per carry 
be the guy. I mean, he he's they say that they think he can be an every down back, and yeah, the injuries have taken their toll. But he looks as dynamic as any player on this offense, and in, including Travis Fulgham, who has been one hell of a story. But I think the game plan moving forward needs to be, look, use Miles Sanders as this Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy type offensive weapon and have Carson Wentz supplement his talent and his footing, uh, which could come in time if he can sell play action fakes, if he can sell RPOs, uh, the way that Doug Peterson's offense runs when it's flourishing the most. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think the identity is to excel in the running game and in turn, that will help the passing game. Uh, and when I say running game, I'm also talking about the screen game, uh, which can be an extension of the running game. I think they need to work on short yardage yak opportunities, and and I think that's what they want to do moving forward. Well, that takes me to the defensive side of the ball because the Browns, well, I should say this, the Browns are susceptible to screens on their side of the football defensively. So if they can implement that, Philly can get that rock and roll, and that'll give Cleveland a ton of fits. Also give Carson some good opportunities to get in a rhythm. Looks like the weather might be a little weird on Sunday again. It's been three straight Sundays for Cleveland, of weird football weather, but we'll see if it changes from now to then. But looking at the defensive side, obviously the big names up front are still actively a part of things. Brandon Graham's playing good football. Uh, Fletcher Cox, I know he's missed a little bit of time with an injury this, or sorry, but an illness this week. I know you know more about that, but just keep me updated on the defense. I see they're playing really good pass defense, maybe not creating a ton of interceptions, but nonetheless getting after the quarterback and really limiting teams to pass game success. But the run game seems to be the biggest issue. And if you're coming into Cleveland, Cleveland predicates itself on running the football above all else. So is there a is there a way in which they can slow down this Browns running attack in your opinion, or is it managing it the best they can and hoping that you know they don't let Baker Mayfield hurt them in any way and they can keep Cleveland's run game just kind of away from scoring thirty points? You know what I mean? Well, I, there's a little bit of a mis- misnomer on that running game. They've actually held opposing running backs to just three point four yards per carry. Uh, only four running backs have eclipsed 50 yards against them. They've struggled against mobile quarterbacks. That's been the key issue. You see Daniel Jones picking up 80 and 34 yards against this offense, against this defense. You saw Lamar Jackson dominate them uh, on the ground. Uh, you've seen wide receivers in the misdirection do really, really well. But as far as running backs are concerned, they've actually done a pretty good job. And look, Jim Schwartz says that Chubb and, and Hunt are their biggest challenge in the run game this year uh i believe them with the way they're toting the rock and look that's what the key to this game is they have to be able to stop these two running backs from dominating the time of possession from dominating the scoreboard if if they play like houston did against them last week they're in trouble you know you can't give up 230 rushing yards and expect to win a game um no matter how what the score is so uh, I think it'll be paramount for the Eagles to stop the run. And listen, Jim Schwartz's first priority has always been to stop the run. And if it's running back that they're trying to stop, the Eagles are set up a little bit better than it would look on paper. Good. That's good to know because I, I, that'll be the pivotal swing point of this game is can, can Philly make Baker Mayfield beat them? I'm sure they're sitting in team meeting room saying that exact thing. we got to stop the run. we got to make Baker make throws. If they feel like they can get to those situations, those third downs where Baker Mayfield has struggled – they, uh, they'll feel pretty good about that, and it'll really change what the Browns want to do. Uh, they do have, obviously, a, a, a dynamic backfield that will, over the course of a game, I will say this, almost every game they've had opportunities to exert themselves, they have. 
now that they're both healthy, now that Wyatt Teller's healthy at right guard, it's uh, it's a pretty dynamic group. I'm going to be fascinated by it. So this brings me to my conclusion, Mike, which is if Philly wins this game, kind of what does the game look like to you? Is it low scoring? Is it a shootout where they're able to put up more points than maybe is expected and Carson gets back on track? What does a Philadelphia win, in your opinion, uh, sort of look like on Sunday? Well, I, I think it's one of those ones where if the Eagles can get up by 10 points and make the Browns a little bit one-dimensional, they'll get this win. The problem is, is if the Browns start off fast and really dominate in the run game and just wear down the linebackers in the defensive line, they won't have a shot. I think the Browns win in a very low-scoring game, like a 20-16 to 16 game. Um, but if the score is like in the 50-point range, uh, I think the Eagles will have won that game. Like, I think the, the Browns need to hold the Eagles under 20 points to win this game because that'll mean the running game is controlling the clock. It means they'll, they won't be pressing in the passing game. Uh, but, you know, the Eagles do have talent, like you said, and they're all getting healthier. Isaac Sayamalu, the starting left guard, is expected to be back. Left guard has been a major sign of weakness for the Eagles' offensive line. So they're getting a little bit healthier uh, Carson Wentz is able to spin it. Look, he's been criticized more than any player in this city uh, over the last three weeks. If he is really ready to turn it on, Doug Peterson's play calling actually works. This is going to be a, you know, a situation where the Eagles can build some momentum heading into uh, you know, four straight weeks against four uh, NFC playoff contenders. So they really need this win. It, it's, it's desperation mode time for them. Yeah, and that's what worries me, especially desperation mode, a team with their back against the wall knowing they have to get this win. And there's a lot of personal attachment and a lot of connection between the Browns and the Eagles, uh, players, coaches, Andrew Barry, um, all, all sorts of different names that have floated between the two. And it's, it's an interesting parallel in franchises there in terms of guys that have met both sides of this thing. So should be fascinating to watch. You talk about protecting Carson Wentz. The Eagles have given up the most quarterback hits in the league this year. So I'm sure Cleveland is trying to tee off and take advantage of that side too. Great, great insights, Mike. I really, really appreciate you taking some time for us ahead of practice. Thanks for having me. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Big thanks to Mike coming on, joining us, taking the time out of his busy day, including, you know, being on the cell phone, driving in. I think he missed his, he told me he missed his exit, so he was a little frantic there at the beginning of the uh the interview, but he gave us some great insights about this game. So I'm fascinated with where the Browns are. This is a big game. I know that the NFC East is rough and the Eagles have dropped some games that they shouldn't, especially last week against the Giants, but it's still a good roster talent-wise. And this would be a good win for the Browns to prove that they can handle a team who has their backs against the wall in a tough situation and uh, who maybe wants to win this game a little more than they do. Can they rise up to the occasion and beat a team like that? It'll be interesting to see. The weather doesn't look great. Again, might have some rain. The wind might not be there, but the rain will certainly be there, it looks like. So how they counteract that again, how they can continue to run the football well, but also finding a little bit more balance in the passing game will be of interest to me. Make sure you check out the OBR's $1 offer for the first month of your sign-up. Great deals going on there. Some great content, as usual, as we will have some of the best out there film room-wise among many other things. So so check us out. Go to the OBR, subscribe to this podcast, give us a review. Make sure you're checking out all of the Blue Wire podcasts as well. We appreciate all of the support you give us at both networks. All your time you spend listening to this one is, uh, is always greatly appreciated. So, again, thanks for joining us. We'll chat after the game on Sunday. Until then, go Browns.